All right, welcome back, everybody, to Table Talk, your healthy theological radio addiction. Mark 1, 29 to 39. So after Jesus heals mother-in-law, Peter's, then they bring him at sundown, all who were sick, the text says, and oppressed by demons. The whole city's gathered together at the door, and he healed many who were sick with various diseases, cast out demons, and he told the demons, don't tell anybody, don't speak, because they knew who he was. So Jesus heals them all. I mean, he, <laughs> he healed their broken bones, their runny noses, if you will, their leprosy. He, he silences the demons. He casts them out because they knew who he was, as Mark says in the text. And he, Jesus, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't going to have a bunch of uh, demons uh, running around and telling everybody and making even a bigger ruckus than there already was. Jesus just simply patiently worked, as the text says, uh, into the dark hours of the night. I have, I have two questions on this uh, section here, uh, Mark 1, 32 to 34. In uh, verse 32, it says, that evening at sundown. So uh, uh, in this pericope, we have a particular note by the Holy Spirit under the inspiration, uh, Mark writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit here, with regard to the time of the day that this stuff is happening. So we have sundown, we have evening, we have dark, and then when we have dark, we have demons, and we have all this sin <laughs> stuff coming out in the dark. Uh, a little bit later in verse 35, uh, we have uh, early in the morning, you know, while it's still dark. Okay, so we got that. So I want your comment on the on the darkness and the demons. And then second of all, uh People, scholars especially, uh, have uh, killed many trees and spilt many gallons of ink with regard to the Markan secret. And throughout the Gospel of Mark, and it's in the other Gospels as well, but especially in the Gospel of Mark, we have Jesus telling people repeatedly, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody what happened. And so we have this whole school built around the Markan secret. So the, the dark and the demons and the Markan secret. I'm, I'm very, very uh, anxious to hear what you have to say on both of those topics. So that evening at sundown, verse 32, and then verse 35, rising very early in the morning while it was still dark. <laughs> What's that alluding to? I'll tell you. Well, it's, it's alluding to Calvary and the, the resurrection. I was going to say, it sure seems like Good Friday and Easter to me. Right, and that's Mark's point. And this is, this is what I said uh, before we went to break. This, uh, this is Mark's way of showing Jesus. This, the, this is the epiphany of who he is and what he's come to do by this evening at sundown and rising early in the morning while it's still dark. This sets us up for Good Friday and Easter Sunday and the fulfillment of Genesis 3.15 and Isaiah 53 as well. Uh, that's Mark's way of saying, who is this Jesus? He's the Good Friday Jesus. He's the Easter Jesus. And it all climaxes there where Satan's head is crushed and he leads a new exodus from the tomb and leads his people into the promised land of heaven. He's the savior. That's what Mark is preaching. Now the Mark in secret. Yeah, that's, <laughs> this, is, this is lots of fun in Mark's gospel. Because when you read Mark's gospel from beginning to end, and I always, I always encourage people when we're studying a text or a certain uh, gospel, read it all the way through in one sitting. 
And, and, and it's about a 45, 50-minute exercise, maybe an hour if you're a slow reader. But uh, it's, it's not a difficult thing to do, to read a book of the Bible like Mark in one sense. And we really should do that. In any event, so the Mark in secret, you find that, as you said, Jesus tells people, don't, don't tell, don't tell, don't tell. And then the people who should know, they don't get it. They don't know who he is in Mark's gospel. Well, the point is, is that Jesus, once he is crucified and once he is raised from the dead on the third day, that's when you can tell. Go tell. And in Mark 16, preach the gospel to the entire creation. What's the point? The point is, is uh, we're going to keep things hidden, if you will, for now, so that people don't get the wrong impression. Namely, that I'm like a vending machine, as, as people will take him to be here. In Pe- Pez dispenser Jesus. Yeah. So, and that's why at the end of this uh, pericope here in verse 35, at 38 and 39, when he's going to go preach. See, that's the climax of what's happening here in this account. Uh, the, the, the demons being cast out, the healings, etc. Those are like the, the dawn, if you will, or the, the beginning or the revelation that the kingdom of God has indeed arrived, as Jesus said in Mark 15. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to be climaxing in the preaching, the preaching of what? The suffering, dying, risen Christ. And so that's what he wants people to believe, suffering, dying, risen Christ. In that, in that Christ, that's when Satan is finally crushed and all our diseases are healed, if you will. Okay, so that's the point of Mark. So after he's risen, then go tell so that there's no misunderstanding of what he's about. So, so to quote Kuhlman, back to Kuhlman, uh, Jesus wants people to know a whole enchilada Jesus, not just a bit and piece of Jesus. They want the he wants the whole picture. Right. Uh, he didn't just come to do miracles. He didn't just come to die. He didn't just come to teach. He did. He came to do all of this because this whole enchilada of the person and work of Jesus is the Christ, is the Savior. And if you if you tell of one piece of that apart from the whole. Right. There's a risk of misunderstanding who this Jesus is. And we got lots of that going on in our world today. And he did that at the Mount, Mount of Transfiguration when he came down. Now, don't tell anybody until he's risen. Until the Son of Man is risen from the dead. It's interesting here in the text that early in the morning when everybody's gone then, what's Jesus do? He goes to a desolate place or a lonely place and he, and he prays. Uh, yeah, when things get crazy, I don't know about you, but in the pastoral ministry, things get really crazy. And so when things get crazy, and I said it, Jesus has quite a busy day, if you will. He goes off and he prays by himself. So we can learn from that. Uh, when uh, the going gets busy, go off somewhere and pray. But notice in the text that Simon and some others, they go and they go look for Jesus. And they, ran at, they run after him and they find him. It seems like Jesus just can't have any peace. Can he? <laughs> no, he left his cell phone home, and they still found him. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, Luther, not even, not even any time for prayer. L- Luther uh. has this uh, famous quote. I don't think it's apocryphal, but uh, I have such a busy day today that I will spend the first three day, three hours in prayer. And uh, rarely do we think that way today. Um, you know, if I get up early, the last thing on my mind is spending the first hour in prayer. I want to get one extra cigar in before my busy day. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how selfish and self-centered I tend to be. And so I think, I think we have a lot here. Uh, Pastor, are you aware that the, uh, the, the musical and the movie, um, Jesus Christ Superstar, 
is loosely based off the Gospel of Mark. I didn't know that, yes. Okay, and there are a couple of scenes in the movie Jesus Christ Superstar where Jesus goes off by himself to pray, to wrestle, you know, with the, the mission that is there to, to pray, and the, the people, the crowds, they just, they keep coming, and they come, and they come, and they come, and... Uh, there's no end to it. Like here in the in this text, there's no end to those who are diseased and demon-possessed. <laughs> that, of, of, of all the terrible things in that movie, that is a good picture right there of how Jesus was pressed in on by the crowds, how Jesus can't even find a spot to go and pray by himself until he wants them to come a little farther in the Garden of Gethsemane, and they won't. Mm-hmm. They won't even stay awake with him. Yeah. Well, let's, I know we're running short on time, so let's get to another part of the text because it's a remarkable thing when Jesus then says in the text, you know, let's go to the next towns so that I may preach there also because that's why I came. So he, he leaves all those diseased and the demon-possessed people behind in Capernaum, and he goes on to the, to the next town. I mean, couldn't he, um, how shall I say this, couldn't he have healed them anyway? I mean, like a, like a general absolution, if you will, a corporate healing? I mean, why didn't he just do that? Just wipe out disease and Capernaum altogether and then push on. I'm just having fun with this. Yeah, we, we have a real presence Jesus who desires <laughs> to be really present with his people where they are. Um, and I don't have my Greek text with me. I've got 17 books here, but I don't have my Greek text. So, Pastor, maybe you can help me here. Um, in that verse you quoted, verse 38 of Mark 1, uh, he said to them, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for this is why I came out. Came out. Came out of what? Mm. Came out. Came out of, I mean, he's not hiding, but came out of a seclusion. This is why I've manifested or epiphanied myself. I can't help but think that came out is still a reference to the future coming out on Easter Sunday. Oh, yes. And I would, I would love to know if, that, if those words are connected with the resurrection. I'd have to double check that. Um, I'm not sure off the top of my head, but I think it fits with the general theme that I've hinted at, the Mark 1.15, that after his baptism, he comes out publicly as the Son of God. And what does he do? He preaches. And that's what, he, that's what he gets back to here at the end of this chapter here in Mark 1. So and it continues preaching. on even to this day. And that's how it ends. That's how Mark's gospel ends. Go and preach the gospel to the entire creation. So this is interesting. He preaches. Um, to preach is why he came out or why he came. Jesus came to preach. I can't emphasize that enough. He came to preach. He says so. To preach that the time is fulfilled and that the kingdom of God has come in him, in the flesh. And that's what the miracles show. That's what the healings show. That's what the casting out of the demons show. They were signs of what? The new creation. They were signs of the, as you just hinted at, the resurrection. They were all sneak previews of the resurrection, not the main event. See, we think that the healings are the main event. It's not. The main event is that Jesus came to preach. That's what goes on, you know, on Sunday mornings. Preaching goes on in between the, uh, the creed and the offering, generally speaking. Um, that was number one on our Lord's priority list. Preaching, not healing. Uh, and the thing about it is, is we like the healing. We don't want the, we don't want the preaching. Test me out on that, and you'll discover that's absolutely true. Miracles we like, don't we? 
Preaching, not so much. We snooze and sleep and think about other things. You know, preaching, that's just a whole different ball game. And when you understand that and then read the Acts of the Apostles, it brings on a whole new dimension because people get stuck on the healings. They get stuck on the spirit falling down seemingly everywhere, but they don't see the fact that the spirit comes in the preaching of the word. The uh, the signs, the wonders are to get people's attention, but the power is in the proclamation. The power is in the preaching. Same thing true here. It's interesting uh, looking in our time. How many people at Good Shepherd Lincoln ask you, Pastor Poppy, you know, how, how long do you take to prepare for your sermons? I mean, do you, do you spend a lot of hours and days in preparing for your sermons? I'll bet you're rarely asked that question, if at all. I would, I would contend that your people are just like mine. They're not concerned about that necessarily. They're more concerned about um, other things that you do. Um, how, is, how, is Poppy, how are Poppy and Kuhlman problem solving in the congregation that they serve? How about the programs that Poppy's pushing at Good Shepherd or Kuhlman at, at uh, Trinity Murdoch? But they're, they're really not concerned about how, how much time we spend in preparation to preach God's word. And yet Jesus says in the text, that's precisely why he came to preach. And that's precisely why he's put us at our places to preach. Pastors have fallen into that trap too, where they think study and prayer in preparation for a sermon or a Bible study is somehow wasted time or time that yes. uh, doesn't show up on the uh, numerical list that you're going to have at the elders meeting every month when it should be just the opposite. See, and so what I'm trying to say, not very well, so have mercy on me, is that in the church, generally speaking, our priorities are all upside down. We expect all the wrong things from Jesus and from the pastors he sends. Instead, what do we want? We want Band-Aid fixes. We want microwave solutions, happy pills, quick fixes, that kind of thing. But instead, Jesus gives us forgiveness, life, and salvation. <laughs> Through preaching. Thanks for listening, folks. Stay Lutheran, my friends.